This is the Shelbyville Idea. I'm Caleb Brown. In this episode, I speak with Kathy Fader, the head of school at Corpus Christi Classical Academy, a small Catholic school now located in downtown Shelbyville, after many years just down the road in Simpsonville. We discussed the many principles that animate the school, what she believes makes for a great learning environment for kids, and the school's ambitious plan for expansion in the coming years. Kathy Fader, you yes. are the principal of Corpus Christi Classical Academy, which has, as of this school year, been relocated to Shelbyville, Kentucky. So tell me about Corpus Christi. Okay. Well, it started out actually as Our Lady of Guadalupe 23 years ago, and we were blessed to uh, move into this location here in Shelbyville, right in the center of town, uh, this past June. And we found that there's a, a vibrant community there, and so the result has been a lot more people uh, really seeing the school. It's becoming more visible in this location, and uh, so more people have come into the school as a result. So the uh, registrants, the young people, there are a lot more this year than there were last year? Yes. Well, the thing is, uh, and particularly since we didn't move in until actually July 1st, the end of June, uh, there were people who hadn't heard about us in our other location in Simpsonville, even though it was there all those years. It was originally Our Lady Guadalupe, and they had a high school called Corpus Christi. But uh, at some point, we felt it best to merge, and so the name for the entire school is Corpus Christi, and it became classical in 2015. So I've been there since 2016. This is my seventh year. So what? tell me about uh, the – because when I describe Corpus Christi, full disclosure to listeners, my daughter attends Corpus Christi Classical Academy. Uh, when I describe the school to people, because my family, we're not Catholic. Um, but when we interviewed at your school, it was immediately uh, clear to us that this was uh, a great, going to be a great option for for our daughter. And so, um, when I describe it, I say it is a Montessori classical ed- academy Catholic school. Uh, what d- take those in turn if you want? But what what do all those things mean? Okay, Catholic school means that, you know, definitely we teach the Catholic faith. Um, You know, our emphasis begins on human virtue, you know, what it is to make uh, a a man, a person virtuous. And and then that moves into what we hoped will become young saints, uh, people who understand uh, there is a higher power for Catholics. Christ is the pillar of truth. And um, so we bring all of that into the classroom. The classical tradition comes out of the church as well. We call it Catholic and then classical because the emphasis of Catholic school, excuse me, of classical schools is truth, beauty, and goodness. So like I've told you, I'm not a reporter, I'm not a public speaker, but I can recognize beauty and truth and goodness. And that's what we really want to infuse into our students who come into the school. They recognize that, you know, there is so much of that in the world, even though it doesn't always seem that way. Um, what is not can be more dramatic, but uh, but it is, to me, an invitation to know God if you understand beauty 
and truth and goodness. So that's the Catholic portion of the... Catholic and classical. Oh, classical, classical, truth, beauty, and goodness. Catholic and, and so, classical. Yes. And so we do have uh, an emphasis on when we talk about things like beauty, you know, we look at uh, the literature that we study. We do not read pop culture. With I believe that kids get plenty of that at home and in their other environments. Uh, but we read classical books, books that kind of have elevated vocabulary and that can really lead uh, kids to understand there's a much bigger uh, understanding philosophy of life than what greets the eye. And so we do have this emphasis on our supernatural destiny, but we read books, it's totally appropriate developmentally, like things like uh, Robin Hood, King Arthur. And so we do have an emphasis on our Western heritage because it was out of that that our faith sprung. Um, so all of this is Catholic and classical. Um, and, you know, as they develop, we also introduce things that really touch upon that beauty element like cursive. But I want people to understand that cursive isn't just about beauty. It actually has a physiological developmental advantage that unfortunately many have, you know, abandoned. But, you know, it crosses the midline. There's so much to be said about cursive alone. I have heard that cursive improves your memory of material that you are studying. Yes, it does. I mean, cursive enhances focus, attention to details. Of course, you can take quicker notes and fluency of thought. It, like I said, it crosses the midline, left brain, right, right brain. It is so... Um, it's a game changer for people to understand um, how important cursive is to kids. It strengthens their memory. And in that vein, I would say classical also means that we study the Latin language. And Latin is not a modern language. I'm fluent in Spanish, but Latin is a classical, ancient, <laughs> we call it an ancient language, um, which is more like math because it organizes thought and, and builds those, gives us that building block, the grammar to uh, understand our own language. 50% of the English language comes from Latin. So, so I had Latin in high school. Did and, you? And when, we, when you and I spoke initially about whether or not, about setting up an interview and, and visiting your school, uh, you said, yeah, we teach cursive and Latin. I was like, okay, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. And, <laughs> Not uh, everyone understands that. <laughs> yeah. And so I, and I noticed uh, at, a, at a different point when I visited the school that the Latin textbook that you use is the Latin textbook that I used in No way. Seriously. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Richter of Callaway County High School for <laughs> I uh, love teaching, teaching Latin to us. And, and I, I, you know, I really appreciate it. And you were talking about being, not being fluent in Latin. I thought, well, it's kind of hard to find your, own, your local Latin community. It uh, is your your, your your local group of Romans right. <laughs> to uh, to to practice your Latin with, um, but it you know it is it 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 goes to the core of uh, how Western Romance languages all developed and totally it is a it is a structured it is a language that is structured in such a way that you can just give give a random assortment of words. And they all already have their place in the sentence. Uh, totally. 
I mean, this is one thing. We study ancient Greece and, and Rome. And the thing is, we say Greeks with their brains because they were philosophers. They just, you know, they were all about that level of understanding the human person. And then we say the Greeks with their brains, but the Romans with their drains, because the Romans were engineers. You know, we say all roads lead to Rome. And it was from there that so much spread out to the rest of the world. And so that engineering, that organized way of thought, you know, really builds upon everything we do in our own language. Um, and that is why I can say that every year, not only with the National Latin Exam, but with the Iowa Test of Basic Skills, the ITPS, which is the standardized test we give to the whole school. Mm -hmm. Our scores are at the very minimum one year above grade level. But for example, I've had this year, I had seventh graders testing in the college level across the board. And that's common, eighth graders, et cetera. I wanted to make a note of that too, because I, I won't name the uh, other schools, but we toured three schools uh, when we were deciding where to send our daughter. And yours was the first. And I can remember you handed us a folder. And the first page of that, inside that folder, the first piece of paper was a list of uh, grade relative to grade level performance of students at your school. Mm, right. And the other two schools that we visited. Um, we had to ask one, we had to ask for that information because that's relevant information to parents who are trying to make a choice about a school mm -hmm. um, and neither one could provide it. Yeah, it's very interesting. A lot of schools, I'm sorry to say, are getting away from, well, there's not always a clear curriculum. That's one thing I do like about what we're doing uh, among many things. And that is we have a fluid curriculum year after year. And and I've been in other schools. I have five kids myself who are all in their 20s now. Well, one just turned 30. But essentially, you can um, ask for a curriculum, but from one grade to the next, oftentimes it's left up to the teacher to determine, and there isn't a fluid curriculum. For us, we try to also make it thematic. So all the classes are touching upon similar subject areas, okay, as much as possible. Um, specifically, we connect uh, literature with history too, because that just builds up more knowledge of it. And I and I do not want to say, I'm gonna pull punches on kids. I like uh, kids to understand expectations so they know that, you know, this is the pattern and the standard for how we're going to present this. And it helps them to get orderly in their own understanding of, you know, such things as not just studying, but taking notes and things like that. But so one year might be study of Greece. Next year might be the study of Rome. The next year might be the Middle Ages, which are largely ignored in many places, but have so much to offer. And then, quote unquote, the modern world, you know, discovery and whatever. So... This also helps kids to remember, and all that we do is to strengthen the memory. I'll say one more thing about classical schools. Um, recitation is a program um, that personally, I, I can't say enough about. It not only builds confidence in the children, the students, because they can remember long, beautiful poems and, and things like that, but it also strengthens their memory. What I found is many people today, unfortunately, many kids, they're putting their memories into their devices. And so 
it's very difficult to come into our school in the upper grades because our our the performance of our kids and what they become accustomed to is normally beyond the typical grade level. And so to come into that is very, very challenging um, unless you've kind of been brought up in that system. Does that make sense? So we should uh, make note of the fact that you are located uh, on the property of the uh, Catholic Church, the Church of the Annunciation in yes. Shelbyville, which is yes. between two chunks of a state highway, <laughs> right. Uh, right. Uh, which are wa- essentially Washington and Main Streets. You're right in between uh, those two. And it's been uh, very interesting, especially sort of from the outside looking in, because I, I assume most of your families are Catholic. Uh, we we are not, but it, we, your school was just the one that uh, best best met our uh, hopes and expectations for right. our daughter, and we en- enjoy having her there. And she has has made a lot of friends and and seems to be uh, thriving as best I can tell. So uh, I guess. It, you came from Simpsonville. Yeah. The school just last school year was in Simpsonville. Yes. Why the change? But, well, what we found is um, the majority of our families are from Shelby County. Okay. And a lot of them live in Shelbyville. Uh, but, you know, we had a lease in Simpsonville and, um, you know, it was, it was time to move on. I know Simpsonville had plans. For the building, and so we were invited to come in here, and which actually, for most of our families, is more convenient. We want to live and grow in Shelbyville, uh, Shelby County. So, um, you know, where we are was a great uh, move because, again, most of our student population lives in this area. Although we do get students still from the Oldham County. We've had them from um, Henry County, Spencer County. Uh, of course, we're the only Catholic school in that tri-county area, but also we've even had some come this way from Frankfurt. So, you know, it was a good move and a good fit for us to be here. Like I said, the more, uh, you know, since we came here at the end of June, we became more visible to Shelby County, where most of our kids are from. And if you talk about the population of the school, about a third of the school is Hispanic. Um, and we do uh, offer, and, and oftentimes, here's the thing, we want to give our families in Shelby County, we want to give families options. And um, being the only Catholic and only one, to my knowledge, there may be another, but maybe only one other private school, uh, we think it's not just an option, but it's a beautiful option because it is academically strong, very strong. And it's also uh, a place where kids can feel safe. It's a strong community feel. Uh, you know, we want kids and I want kids to love learning. And that's why, you know, the plan is you start in Montessori, where it's somewhat uh, child directed, I guess you could say. And the kids are happy and they're moving and gravitating towards things that they want to know about. And we continue to foster that and all the way through uh, classical education, you know, from ba- essentially from first on up, uh, 
we want them to love learning and to be happy. It's a sad thing to me for a child to come home crying because they weren't happy in school. Now, you know, there's things that happen, but we want them to know that they are loved by God and that they are loved by this community and loved by their teachers. And we want it to be a joyful experience because learning is lifelong. And we want these kids to be independent thinkers, to understand, I don't mean independent in the sense of separate, but I mean being able to recognize situations that are healthy or not, you know, that kind of thing. You're the principal. Yes, I'm the principal slash head of school. That and that, but that term principal used to mean something different than it does today. And tell and, me what it means to well, you I or mean, what it meant. T- what it means to me today is you're uh, almost solely an administrator. But that's not you. That's not what you do. You're a teacher and an administrator of, yes. of the school. And yes. so you are uh, making decisions about curriculum and in sort of sort of modern public schools, that's not really what a principal does. Right. No. Um, you know, in a perfect world uh, with, well, a number of other things, uh, I'm not even going to say a perfect world. I think as a principal, no matter where we are, how big we are, or anything else, I still would teach a class because I do think it's important to be in the mix and to know what's going on and to assess certain things in the curriculum, especially on the higher you know, level. Um, but I'm very familiar with this curriculum. I mean, before I came here, my kids went to classical school. So I'm, you know, fully aware of it and loved every bit of it. What do you teach? Uh, I'm, I'm teaching Latin. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. I'm also teaching literature right now. We just read um, the seventh and eighth graders read the Iliad by Homer, epic poems. And, uh, and, and the uh, high schoolers read the Aeneid. Uh, by Virgil, which is phenomenal, okay? Uh, And next up would be Dante, for example. Um, You know, the uh, Inferno or whatever. So essentially, I am, and I'm also teaching high school theology. I do also have a background, a master's in biblical studies. So um, basically, I teach where I need to be teaching, but some areas are areas, too, that, um, well, let's take Latin. It's very difficult to find Latin teachers today, but uh, I've taught it for many years, and it's so foundational and pivotal. It's a game changer, like cursive is, if you can believe it, um, for kids to strengthen their memories and to have a greater fluency of thought, to acquire vocabulary that gives them very high reading levels and therefore very high writing levels. Yeah, lat, lat, you know, the one thing I can say for Latin is that uh, I, to this day, I'm able to look at an unfamiliar word and begin to piece right. together what it means. Right. I mean... I can say there are people who say Latin is a dead language. Well, I can tell you, I taught language in college level for many, many years, Spanish. I also taught English. And um, I can say we speak Latin every single day, you know, 50% of our language, right? And so just for example, I had a senior, <laughs> one, one senior, because, you know, we have a high school, but it's not a, a big advertising campaign. But if someone wants to continue in the classical methods, I am happy to embrace that. 
And uh, so I just had a student graduate from high school. She's the first high school graduate in her family and will be the first college graduate. And this girl got $180,000 worth of scholarship offers from several different colleges. She ended up entering the Honors College of Nursing at Bellarmine. And that Latin has been, you know, foundational, like in many of the medical fields, um, in helping her achieve this high level of understanding. And again, it's not just Latin, but learning things like 20 stanza poems. And there's, you know, biblical studies, uh, memorizing psalms, long psalms uh, in scriptures. And, uh, you know, again, cursive. All of this fully integrates this information more strongly and more deeply into the human brain. Okay. So it's a combination of all of these things. Literature, of course, teaches a lot of things about humanity, you know, right and wrong and things like that. What are some of the other great books that uh, young people read? I don't expect most, even adults today, to have read The Iliad, The Odyssey, uh, The Aeneid, um, so what are some right. of the other great books? Yeah, in some of these schools, they'll read like a piece of the Odyssey, but we do read the entire book because we want the kids to go deeply into the understanding, not just of that era, but of, you know, the what's to be learned and gleaned from that. So in the younger grades, uh, we start with, um, we start with, we do uh, fables, we do, um, stories of the likes of Paul Bunyan and all those guys. And then we go into the little house on the prairie. Well, it's um, little house in the big woods and then farmer boy. Uh, these things really do show the beauty and, uh, and the power of the natural world. You know, they show uh, kids the beauty of God's created world, but also we we make choices in this world, but there are consequences that we can't always control. And so there's a lot to be said about that. The Little House books, we have a full set here. Uh, my cousin Misty was very proud to have read uh, those books with to and with her children. The books are uh, become the language becomes more complex as you go yes. through the books. Yes, the building of vocabulary um, for sure. Uh, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder, of course, is detailing a a difficult life for pre-industrial America and right. the reality, very stark, hard-nosed realities of uh, being a farmer of a. a having the associations that you make with people who are also trying to maximize their you know, well-being of themselves and their families. Um, the example that I go to is like using a reflector oven, which is for most people don't even know what that is. And I wouldn't have known if I hadn't read those books, but a reflector oven essentially uses the sun uh, to bake and uh, generate low levels of heat to cook breads or any number of other things and that it's it's a it's a complicated difficult process if you wanted to bake a pie you know 150 200 years ago that was a pretty complicated and difficult thing and that was every part of your life right i mean even taking uh, maple syrup you know out of a tree and uh taking care of the cows in the middle of the night because there's a blizzard i mean there's so 
much to be learned, uh, you know, in a in the natural world, so to speak, um, God's created world. And at the same time, as they move up, yes, the vocabulary becomes more sophisticated. When they get into fifth grade, you know, they start reading King Arthur and Robin Hood, Door in the Wall. These are uh, classics from the Middle Ages, which uh, in, in a big sense is kind of the height of the Christian era. Um, and and then moving into, you know, the founding fathers and coming into this country, um, they certainly study all about the American, like I said before, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the um, Declaration and that kind of thing. Yeah. It, w- one thing I want to make I want to make note of for uh, the benefit of listeners is that especially we're going back to Little House books again. Um, the uh, Rose Wilder Lane was a daughter of Laura Ingalls Wilder. And she herself was a uh, very well-regarded writer uh, and I would say sort of political philosopher in the sense that she wrote a wonderful, wonderful book that I'll commend everybody called The Discovery of Freedom. Uh And I view that as sort of a natural culmination of the Little House books, which she helped co-write some of the later books with her mother. And uh, Rose Wilder Lane is, is a brilliant intellectual and I got to say, a really, really good writer. So yeah. uh, I, awesome. I will commend that to your students as well as a right. potential extra credit assignment. Um, <laughs> right, all uh, about that. <laughs> but so, so what's the what's the future look like for Corpus Christi? Um, I believe as we kind of expand our space, we will very much expand our student body. Uh, I do think there has been, well, right now for this upcoming year, we are on a waiting list for um, fifth grade and up already. Preschool's on a waiting list. So um, because I'm separating a couple of the grades, we had some grades together, we do have some room in those younger grades. And that's the best time to come into a school like this because you kind of learn what to expect. And in the same kind of uh, movement up, they also get the full, um, you know, the full body of of academics um, that builds one year upon the next. So uh, one of the plans that uh, I have discussed with you and with others is uh, getting a piece of property. Yeah, and, we'd like to have a piece of property for sure in this building area. A, a school that is you know, separate and independent from the the local church because it, uh, I'm sure that 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 adds a little bit of stress to uh, the church itself, but also gives you so sort of a limited range of being able to make uh, bigger bigger swings, bigger uh, decisions on behalf of the of the school. Right, as far as space, primarily, and um, yes, so you know we have had. Uh, you know, some starter money that, you know, was donated to get us going on this. But at the same time, we're blessed to be where we are. We really are. But uh, just to serve more people, ultimately, we would like to have uh, more space. So a bigger uh, a property, you know, on its own in that way. We, uh, I talked to you a while back, the, uh, the Kentucky Supreme Court last year heard a, a school choice case 
which disappointingly they uh, did not uh, advance. They decided that to throw out the, the school choice program. I fully expect that to be a reality in Kentucky within the mm-hmm. next two to three years. And my expectation is that schools like yours that are delivering this kind of classical education uh, could be well positioned to welcome a lot more students into that kind of education. Uh, you know, definitely we have, uh, to me, the kids are the most precious resource we have, our children. And to really kind of not know what they're learning um, or to not be invited in, that's one thing about our school that I think is very important. We require a parents because we understand we work in partnership with parents. I would never tell a parent that you don't know your child. Of course, parents are the primary educators. We as, you know, as Catholic Christians believe that parents are the primary educators, of course, in so many ways. And so we work in partnership and that means they, you know, they come into the school and they're required to give us 8 hours of volunteering per child oh, I know. per semester. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's a one. I mean, as a parent, I love that. It, whereas, you know, some schools don't allow parents in the building, period. And I say, we are happy. Your children are happy. We want them to be filled with joy, to love learning, and to be thinkers who can stop and reflect, but also to give back to their communities. So, you know, what we teach is not just strong academics. Um, but an understanding of our uh, history and uh, the beauty of the world around them, um, like nature studies. Of course, we go into biology and everything else on the high school level. Um, but foundationally, you know, the understanding of the world around us is often missing in a, in a, in a different sense. So, um, you know, we, we also have strong readers um, just, and we give them, we equip them with the language to be able to express themselves. So like I said, you know, the, the trivium, the, the traditional classical trivium is grammar, which is the vocabulary, but it's the tools, right? To, to speak and to express. The lexicon. Uh, and then logic, you know, logic is organization of thought. And then rhetoric in its true sense is persuasive writing writing and the understanding uh, that, that, you know, moves people, you know. So uh, all of this is a part of what we do, and it's unique, and it's beautiful, and the outcome also makes for joy-filled kids who are part of a community. Like, we're not little independent, you know, um, little atoms floating out there, but we are part of a community, uh, that is meant to kind of renew, you know, and enrich those around us. All right, Kathy, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming by. Thank you for your and time. And recording with me down the hall from my office. I think that's my youngest child uh, howling in the background there for a moment. But thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Uh, and, thank you. And for those interested, uh, the, the website is www.corpuschristiclassical.org. Corpus, C-O-R-P-U-S, Christi, C-H-R-I-S-T-I, classical.org. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you again to Kathy Fader for joining us. You can learn more about the school at corpuschristiclassical.org. I hope you'll share this episode of the Shelbyville Idea with friends, subscribe to our newsletter at shelbyvilleidea.com, and give us your guest suggestions, comments, criticisms, feedback, news tips, unsubstantiated rumors, and anything else you want us to know. Email us directly at shelbyvilleidea at icloud.com. I'm Caleb Brown. Thank you for listening.